Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. A Monday is upon us, and it's been kind of an interesting ride for these markets today, especially if you look at where we came uh, from the overnight trade action. Did that kind of set the tone, or did it cause for some hurdles today? We also have a report that's out tomorrow, happenings in the dollar, the stimulus, and crude oil. That's just the tip of the iceberg for what we're going to talk about today as Brian Split joins us with agmarket.net. So I think we need to start with this overnight activity how we were over in the overnight and how we finished out, not exactly the same. No, um, and Susan, you probably could have led your program the same way the last several <laughs> Mondays. Um, we've come out of the weekend very strong. And uh, in, in, in this instance, just like the last several weekends, we gapped higher in soybeans. Uh, corn had gapped higher. Wheat gapped higher as well. Uh, but just like all the other weeks previous, uh, during the day session, we came back down and filled those gaps. Uh, we were at least what we didn't do that we did last time we made new contract highs and turned around as we actually you know, were able to stay positive for the close. We didn't do that last time. Beans made a new contract high and then failed. They finished, I think, down about 18 cents that day. But this is just kind of par for the course. The market's having a hard time making new highs and staying there, but yet we continue to make new highs. So I... I can't say that that's necessarily bearish when when the futures values are can, can still consistently reaching higher highs. So we do have a report that comes out tomorrow. How much of that is an influence today? And obviously, will it be an influence in the overnight into tomorrow pre-report? Yeah, well, so there will be position squaring and who knows who needs to do what in front of the report. Um, we have seen uh, a rather common theme of seeing soybean futures higher the morning of the report in anticipation of the data, uh, a little bit of front-running of, of the numbers, um, you know, whether they come out bullish or bearish, the, I, I don't know, but uh, that seems to be a consistent feature as we will likely continue to see some buying leading up until the, the numbers are released at 11 a.m. Central Time. But uh, as far as last night, you, you had a few different things. I think the market's still looking at South America. Um, there is growing concern in some regions in Brazil. And uh, the wet weather is, is going to continue to be a, fu- a feature that the market's got to pay attention to. So I think there's a, a region specifically um, where you've got uh, about a 100-kilometer radius around Ceriso. Uh, and and so the soybeans in that area, um, it's a lot of beans are still remaining to be harvested. It's wet. Can the the quality is going to be a concern, and lack of corn planted in that area is is going to be a theme here again moving forward. So there's still some South American weather. Um, looking at the uh, Argentine weather, it does appear that the risk there did back off a little bit. Um, you know we're going to have some drier risk apparent in the next five to seven days. But uh, the models are continuing to trend a little bit wetter um, next weekend into week two of the, of the forecast. So um, we'll, we'll see how that materializes over the next two weeks. But there was some rain uh, that fell over the weekend that probably took some off the uh, some excitement off the market when we were up sharply last night as well. You know, they, they continue to talk about how far behind they are in the corn. Does it make the crop there nervous? I mean, the, the marketing-wise, and as they look globally and the demand that they're going to see, and does that allow for some excitement maybe this spring later on for our producers? It does. Uh, so the difference when we plant the crop late and then our concern domestically 
is that uh, we start, you know, fearing for the early frost that could nip yield, at, you know, on the back end. The problem with Argentina and and and, um, and Brazil, and so this would be Brazil for their safrina corn crop, is that um, when they plant that late, they're just getting to a point where they're going to run out of their rainy season and it's going to start to get dry as we get into our spring. So um, that's going to be the concern for the safrina crop is not only is it late, which will change the timing of, of availability, uh, and so that would create um, some, petition, some potential short-term business that we need to to make up for for the uh, the lack of availability uh, due to timing. But also, you're going to have a concern of if it starts to get dry and then they can't get a rain during pollination, then the size of their crop is going to also be impacted. So this could be something that would potentially uh, cause uh, either some additional export business during spring or potentially some very strong additional export business through the remainder of the marketing year, similar to 2016, if the size of the safrina crop is impacted through the whole growing season. Well, the dollar, uh, you talked before we even started this program about some punches happening with the dollar. Let's look to 2018 and what resemblances you're seeing. So this is something that um, you'd almost have to see on a chart to really see what I'm talking about. But the dollar index appears to be forming a, a low very similar to how the market had formed a major low back in 2018. And so um, the concern there would be that the market has come down into early January, early part of the year on, um, you know, the expectations of the new stimulus bill. And so as we're getting closer to possibly getting that passed, uh, are we seeing a little bit of a buy the rumor? I should say more of a sell the rumor and then buy the fact um, on the dollar index as we get closer to that. But also... Because of the effects of the stimulus and the expectations of U.S. GDP as we get through the rest of the year, that starts to make the dollar look like something that individuals outside of the U.S. are going to want to own. Um, so we've got a, a pretty large speculative short position in the dollar. Um, so any type of a, a short squeeze event could, could occur there. Um, but, I, again, I'm, I'm more concerned about the structure of how the market appears to be uh, potentially forming a bottom. And, and maybe the best thing for the listeners to do if they have the ability is uh, I'm going to send you a chart, Susan, and, and maybe, uh, you know, you can post it on Twitter along with the link to the to the uh, the conversation. That way, if the viewers want to actually see the chart and what I'm talking about and how it's similar to 2018. Well, stick around, folks. We've got more coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We continue this conversation on a Monday with Brian Split. He's with agmarket.net. So you kind of talked a little bit about the stimulus, but could this help or hurt right now when it comes to agriculture? Well, I think a lot of it is uh, it's going to depend on how the stimulus is spent um, within this uh, package. And there's some uh, some items in there that some people will appreciate and some will not appreciate as it, as it uh, pertains to uh, paying off farm debt for um, for some demographics within the industry and, and not paying it off for others within the industry. Um, but uh, overall, I think that uh, if... And, and good for the industry and bad for the industry is relative, right? So I would think that if, if this policy does create a long longer-term inflationary event, 
that would probably be seen as good for the industry, although maybe it isn't in the big picture. Uh, and I suppose it depends on how they can contain the inflation. But if we end up seeing prices like $7, $8 corn and, you know, $16, $17, $18 soybeans, it's going to feel really good for the producer while it's happening, but that, that is not good in the big picture. All the users of the product are going to be really hurting. We're going to be hurting demand when we start seeing pr uh, prices at those levels. So uh, I think that's it's somewhat in the eye of the beholder, I guess you could say, as far as whether it's hurting or helping things. But prices get too high, it's not going to be good for the big picture. Yeah, because I was kind of wondering from a, from a global, global perspective as well, as they watch more stimulus coming in and, and wondering if that's going to have an effect on what it's going to cost them for product. Right. So uh, whatever happens here is going to have an implication through the rest of the world and world buyers. And so... Uh, you know, if we start seeing wheat prices get to some rather extreme levels and we start seeing uh, the price of soybeans, especially, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to watch what's going on with the African swine fever again in China. Uh, the last thing we need is for them to, to lose a good chunk of their, their uh, population over there and then at the, uh, see soybean values climb simultaneously. Uh, we'll be pricing out the demand that would have been there anyway, and then we're also going to be losing demand if, if we start seeing uh, further losses over there in, the, in their, their hog herd. So um, there's definitely big picture ramifications for higher prices that will have a long tail down the road that we won't like. Well, that was a question we did have uh, from a listener over the weekend was just really wondering, you know, how much African swine fever don't know a lot about this strain that's happening, but it sounds like some definite herd liquidations happening over in China. It does. And uh, I've heard some estimates. Uh, you know, I think the highest estimate I've heard is that it could be as high as the equivalent of, of the amount of hogs that are produced in the U.S. And I don't know that that's entirely accurate and maybe overstated, but uh, the bottom line is that if we do see uh, a substantial drop in the amount of, of hogs that, uh, that China is feeding, that's going to curtail meal demand, and that's going to have an impact on, on uh, the, the demand for meal, which is going to have an impact on the demand for soybeans. So, um, you know, that's definitely something we have to be mindful of. And as we start getting closer to planting, and as we get closer to the planting intention report at the end of the month, we also have to be mindful of how profitable new crop levels are right now. And if we get a larger acreage number than expected, and if we start getting the crop in the ground rather quickly, uh, if conditions are good during spring, this market's going to want to take a breather. So new crop soybeans have been up 11 months in a row. We're working on our 12th positive month in a row. And new crop corn has been up eight out of the last 11. So uh, market's definitely overbought, There's without a doubt. The crude oil. Where are we at, and is it important right now to be watching those numbers? Crude oil is important because it's very, very difficult to have a uh, inflationary commodity cycle without energies taking part in that. So crude oil right now is at a, uh, is a rather important uh, junction right now. Um, we had these major highs that were made in 2008, and we've been in, an, in a downtrend ever since that. Uh, we had some highs in 2013 and 2014. So if you look at this long-term downtrend, we are trading just above it right now. Uh, if this crude oil market can maintain uh, values essentially over, um, you know, maybe 62 to $63 a barrel through the rest of the month, that's about where the 100-month moving average is. 
it's going to start to look like we're taking out this long-term downtrend, especially if we can finish the month above 65.65. That was the highest price for crude oil on a front-month basis during 2020. So if we can start seeing some footing above all of 2020's highest prices, that would also be technically positive and may bring in some additional speculative money. Uh, but, yeah, if you're looking for a, a commodity cycle and looking for inflation, the energy market definitely must be a participant in that. All right. Best way for folks to get a hold of you, Brian? Uh, you can talk to anybody at agmarket.net at uh, 844-4-AG-MARKET. So it's 844-424-6758. My direct line is 815-665-0463. Check us out online, www.agmarket.net. And uh, my Twitter handle is at BJSplit. All right, that's the Fontenelle final bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss are not suitable for all investors. Fontenelle final bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.